Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Dime Dropper for 2022 NBA Finals post-game recaps. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, follow us on Apple Podcasts, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. So for tonight's episode, self-explanatory, self-explanatory, you already know, Getting right into it. One game, only one game uh, series left, the finals. Game two tonight from the Bay, Chase Center, and the Warriors needed to win. You already knew the deal. It was a must-win game, as it always is when you're down one nothing as the home team. And obviously, I was very critical about uh, critical of certain guys in the Warriors, mainly Draymond Green, who tonight was Draymond Green, not the podcaster. Which, I will say, though, before I get going, he actually did make a podcast after... Uh, game one, which shocked me. I couldn't believe it. And he was saying how Derek, obviously his analysis is good. Draymond's great in terms of, you know, he's such a smart player and he's good at what he does. He's I, he is, definitely has a future in talking about the game, uh, especially when he retires. But he was talking about how Derek White was making some really tough threes and we're going to live with that and that kind of stuff. And you know what? He's not lying. He's really not lying, but it's just it's hilarious hearing that from a player on the opposing side. And it's like a different form of shit talking in its own way. And then, but yeah, that's all I have to say about that. As for the game, let's get right into it. The Celtics were playing with house money to start the game. It was very even. The entire first half was even. I'm not going to front. I was not, I was driving to uh, my grandpa, my grandma's house. So I missed the first five minutes of the game, but it wasn't, there wasn't much, much separation being made when I got to her house and the game was on. Jalen Brown got off to a really good start in the first quarter, hit a couple of jumpers, and got to the rim, and had eight points in the first quarter, and only had nine the rest of the way. I'm not sure. He may have had more than eight in the first quarter, but I remember he had at least eight. He only had nine the rest of the way. As for the Warriors, they started off a little bit slower on offense, especially Klay Thompson, who had a tough shooting night tonight and will have to be better going forward if the Warriors want to win the championship. But Draymond, he didn't get put in as many positions to kind of play in space or in the same positions that he was put in the last game where he was classic, top of the key, wide open, what's he going to do with it? Get the ball at the end of the shot clock. But he was a little bit more decisive tonight and overall the Warriors you know in the first the first quarter was pretty dead even 31 to 30 in favor of Golden State one thing was the Celtics got in foul trouble I saw a lot of people tweeting about the refs uh being harsh to the Celtics Tatum and Tatum and Jalen Brown had two fouls each in the first quarter and Marcus Smart had two fouls and he ended up having four fouls in the game was in foul trouble and never got to really get going he had one layup in the first minute of the game and he did not score again. And it's crazy because something I never say 
is that Marcus Smart was quiet, but tonight he was legitimately quiet. Only 25 minutes played, one for six, two points, and five assists. Maybe the most quiet I've ever seen Marcus Smart in a game. But second quarter, defense was really good on both sides. 21-20 to 20 in favor of the Warriors. So it was 52-50 to 50 at half. Defense on both sides, really good. Grown man basketball, they were letting shit go. Warriors switching a lot. Celtics switching basically everybody except for Al Horford and Rob Williams on a Curry. They were in drop a lot of the time because it worked for them in the second half. But it did not work for them in the second half of game one. But it did not work for them in the second half of game two. And the thing about the first half is, as you can see, uh, I don't remember it very crystal clear because it was very even. And there wasn't much to say about either team. Klay Thompson was bricking. Draymond Green. I want to see how many shots Draymond Green had tonight. Three shots. So, yeah, there you go. He didn't act and only one three-point attempt. So, last game, it just stood out. He was just in more positions where he had to shoot. He was two for 12. This game only shot three shots. That's the way you want it if you're a Warriors fan and probably if you're Draymond Green as well. So, there wasn't much to say in that first half. To me, going into the half, I was actually kind of concerned, even though the if I'm because I'm rooting for the Warriors in this series, but I was concerned if I was a Warriors fan because even though the Warriors put on those third-quarter flurries, I was one concerned about the fourth quarter a little bit. And I just felt like Curry was playing well and, and the Warriors were playing well, but I don't know. It's Maybe it's just the fact that it was a tie game and you're down one nothing, or a two-point game and you're down one nothing in the series at home and you have to win. You know you're more comfortable when it's a double-digit game or a blowout or at very least eight points. It's just that maybe that PTSD from the Celtics turning it on last game. But... I was wrong. I was definitely wrong to be concerned because the third quarter Warriors would trump everything that I just said. It was a barrage of grand proportions. It was kind of like the fourth quarter for the Celtics in the last game, but in a different way. It really, the majority of the run was really the last four minutes of the quarter. But you can just see the intensity of the Warriors defensively. That's really where it started for me. And you saw a little bit of zone that they threw out throughout the game, a little matchup zone, a little 3-2 action. But for the most part, in that third quarter, straight man-to-man, -man, guarding. And Steph, all the way from Steph Curry to Kevon Looney, they were guarding. Let's talk about Steph Curry first. Defense, always been the one knock on him. He's gotten a lot better over the years. I consider him a solid defender now, but he was really doing a good job of moving his feet, staying strong, using his body well, and just not giving up an inch too easily. Making guys work. And that's what you got to see from your leader is seeing them put in effort defensively. Even if they're not the best defender, that's what separates Steph and Dirk Nowitzki from the Hardens, from the Carmelos, those kind of guys. Because they show effort. They take, you know, defensively all the time. All the time. It's not just here and there. It's all the time. Steph was great tonight. Clay Thompson. Tightened up the defense in the second half. Did not shoot well, but he did hit a three, which put the Warriors up seven. Got the Celtics to call timeout early in that third quarter, and you could feel the momentum shifting. When Clay hit that three, you just felt a sense of relief. I thought Clay was kind of getting in his own head a little bit when it came to when it came to the shooting. A lot of the shots he was missing were shots that he always makes. Just coming off screens, catch and shoot threes. A couple of times, though, some more awkward mid-ranges where he was kind of off balance and off the dribble, it's definitely not Clay's game like that. Especially, you know, after missing so much time, I think for him to shoot off the dribble, 
I'd love to look at his stats off the dribble even back before he was injured. Like, if he was ever statistically great at it. But he definitely was a little better than this. It's going to take time to get that. He obviously doesn't elevate and get the same separation that he used to. But he never always got the craziest separation. Regardless, shots that he usually makes. He's had inconsistent shooting games in these playoffs. You know he's going to have them. He's been more consistent in the playoffs than he was in the regular season shooting the ball. So I think he's gonna he's due for a big game in this series to me shooting the ball. I really do think he is. But at least he's going to put an effort defensively. Even though he has lost a step on that end, he's going to put in that effort. Andrew Wiggins. What can you say about the guy? Guarding Jason Tatum, he takes that challenge of guarding the best player. And by the way, I want to mention that in the first half, Jason Tatum was hitting, like especially the threes. He was just hitting those pull-up, contested threes, nothing easy. Also getting to the rim, he shot eight free throws tonight, made six of them, and was six for nine from deep. So he shot the shit out of the ball from two, though, two for ten. So the Warriors are doing a good job of meeting him with multiple bodies when he went to the basket and just rotating pretty well. And in the third quarter, the rotations were sharp. Andrew Wiggins, of course, guarding the ball. He's fantastic. Everybody he guards, doing a good job on Tatum, best he can. And then Kevon Looney, just offering great resistance on the interior, protecting the rim. You know, people say the Warriors don't have a rim protector, but Looney does a pretty damn good job alongside Draymond Green, who was defensive player of the year level Draymond to me tonight. He was doing a lot of antics, and he was very fortunate, in my opinion, to not get a second technical foul. The refs give Draymond a lot more leeway than other guys. He got one technical but he was starting to like really wrestle with guys, do a little bit of you know wannabe Dennis Rodman kind of tactics on the floor with Jalen Brown wrestling. Jalen said something about he was going grabbed his pants or grabbed his shorts or some weird shit. And then obviously you had him tussling with Grant Williams a little bit. But I think overall Draymond wanted to muck up the game and just kind of make the Celtics annoyed. And I think he accomplished his goal. I think Draymond for the most part did muck up the game and did accomplish his goal. And was a great presence for that Warriors defense. He was switched on to Jalen Brown a couple times and staying in front of him, doing a really good job. And one thing Draymond's always been really good at is not going for pump fakes. He does a great job of staying on his feet, getting a hand up, sticking his chest out, cutting the airspace away, or closing the airspace. And tonight, he did all those little things. And I just thought he was really solid. Setting good screens, some illegal, especially one that Steph hit in the third quarter to got Steph an open look in the third where it was a big momentum shot as well. But seven assists, five rebounds, nine points for Draymond, a steal and a block, and only one turnover on two for three shooting. And that doesn't even show the defense that he played. You got to love it if you're a Warriors fan. It was a great response to that terrible game one. But Steph Curry, offensively. You know, the Celtics were playing drop coverage. And the thing about drop coverage is, with Steph, the way they were playing it in the first game, they were dropping... Only when Tatum and Jalen and Smarts were fighting over those screens with Steph, because they have length, so they can kind of make up that ground and get back around him and affect his periphery. But the thing about it is, it's not a typical drop where you're a couple feet away from the ball handler. They are pretty up on those screens. It's really just a step or two that Steph can take forward cleanly without seeing, you know, getting a real tough contest. So Horford and, and Rob Williams are doing a pretty good job of that in the in the first game of dropping, but not dropping deep enough where Steph can just kind of come off a screen and walk into an open three. He still couldn't even just get it off without getting blocked. Tonight, though, a couple of times, they were dropped just a second deeper or a foot deeper, maybe a couple inches even, and Steph hit it. And then there was one play where Steph, he came up and Daniel Tice was dropped 
but Steph Curry was still about 29 feet away from the basket and put up the three and hit it. And you knew when he hit that, he was feeling it. He had some classic vintage 2016 Steph Curry style bombs tonight. He was electric coming off those screens. He was killing that drop coverage. They're going to have to trap his ass just like normally teams would do. They're going to have to go back to doing that because... And make the make Draymond be a playmaker. That's what I would do. Make Clay hit those open threes. Back in the day, Clay was more of suicidal when you played that kind of strategy. And it, it'll it'll definitely get Clay going more than this. But because the thing about drop coverages, the Horford, the Rob Williams, the defender that's dropping, has to play two at once, kind of. So they have to show up on Steph and then at the same time retreat to his man, even though he has to be helped for just a second by a rotation by a rotator. Whereas when you're hedging or you're blitzing. You are really going up and committing to Steph, making sure he does not have any downhill momentum or coming off a screen with an open shot, but someone really has to take your man for a second. It's going to take you a second to get back there because you have to wait for your guy to get back. So it's a little bit different, Um, but they're going to have to adjust because Steph was burning that shit. Although that three may not go in the same way in Boston, but what am I saying? It is Steph Curry. Third quarter was insane, and it was taken to another level. And by the way, as for the Celtics side of things, yes, they weren't getting many calls. There was one time where I was getting kind of pissed off because the Warriors were switching basically everything in the third quarter, and Steph Curry was even guarding guys like Al Horford. And I remember Al Horford was getting his jersey grabbed by Draymond in the post one time, or I think it may have been Gary Payton in the post, and they didn't call anything. And I remember they were pissed about it. Celtics got a couple technicals tonight. And then... I don't think they went back to it because if I'm them, it's like if I'm the Celtics, it's like if I'm going to Al Horford in the post against a mismatch and he's not going to get any call, but then on the other side, they're going to call perimeter fouls. Even though tonight the refs were pretty good, they weren't calling that much shit. It's like it discourages people from going in the post and going from inside, like going inside like that. So I hope they don't continue that bullshit because the Celtics do have a disadvantage if the war have an advantage if the Warriors switch everything like that because there's no reason why Al Horford should be able to guard or Steph Curry should be able to guard Al Horford. Um, without fouling. You know what I'm saying? Because Al Horford can post up. And he's a big guy. There was one time where Steph did switch on Al Horford and Otto Porter did a great job of double teaming him and Horford got flustered and was impatient and just tried to make a pass under to Grant Williams because he noticed he got a double. And Steph did a really good job of just switching and jumping that passing lane and intercepting that pass to Grant Williams under the basket. And... Someone else, if we're going to talk about defense and subs, because I'm going to get to Jordan Poole now, who was the reason why the Warriors were able to push that lead at the end of the third quarter to a point where you knew the Celtics weren't going to come back. It was 68-62 with like three and a half to go in the third. And by the end of the third quarter, it was not close. 35-14 to was the final score in terms of the third quarter, obviously in favor of the Warriors, which meant that they led... 87 to 64 after three. So a 16 to two run at the end. And one of the big bright spots for the Warriors tonight, having Gary Payton Jr. back in the lineup. You know what he does in the defensive end. The crowd was energized by it. The energy he gives and brings, and he did a great job on Jalen Brown as the game went on, and just holding his own on whoever he was guarding. Jalen Brown was 5 for 17 in the game in the end, 17 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists. 
Gary Payton Jr. ended up playing 25 minutes, had seven points. He was plus 15, three rebounds, three assists, three for three from the field. Just amazing. And he hit his only uh, three-point attempt. So he was great. But Jordan Poole, in that last stretch of that third quarter, I remember that he got to the basket, got by Derek White, and had a nice pass, beautiful, around the body of Tice on a bounce pass, which is not an easy pass to throw, I can tell you. And I've never thrown around a 6'8 guy, I can tell you that. But even around normal people, throwing those passes around guys are... I mean, I think it's easy for me, but shit's not easy. Let's put it that way. I give myself credit when it comes to passing. That's the one basketball skill I brag about, passing. But, I mean, this channel's called Dime Dripper for a reason, guys. But anyway, <laughs> um, Jordan Poole after that, same thing with Steph. A little bit of daylight, even when the Celtics would switch. I remember there was one time, actually it was the Warriors side, so it's irrelevant, but when you switch... You got to make sure that you know you're switching and you come up if you're guarding if you're switching onto a shooter cuz if you give if you lag 1 second on that switch and you give him 2 feet of space or even a foot of space Jordan Poole Steph Curry's they're going to burn you and Jordan Poole started doing that and then obviously the half court shot or near half court shot off the bounce at the end a straight shot he didn't heave it to me he pulled back it was like a move in and out into a pullback three ball and he drained it. And you just kind of knew it was going in from the, the way he left his fingers. And after that, Steph Curry didn't even have to come back in the game. That was it. Draymond played a little bit. Clay played a little bit. Clay got a couple of free throws, I remember. To And I remember that. I, I thought that was just Curry trying to give him some, get him to 30 minutes because he wasn't getting going and maybe getting him some confidence shooting the ball going into the next game. But I don't think Clay lacks any confidence. He'll just shoot the shit out of the ball no matter what. But overall, the Warriors cruised after that. The Celtics just could not get anything going in the third. They were turning the ball over. The Celtics were killing them in trans. I mean, the Warriors were killing them in transition. Momentum shifted. It happens. And you know what? It's not a big deal because the Celtics were playing with house money. The main difference, the role players tonight for Boston. It just wasn't the same. And you got to credit the Warrior defense. But also, it's just like role players play better at home. And that's what surprised me the most in game one was that the role players for the Celtics made their threes in their first finals game from all of their careers. So that was a shocking thing to me. Let's go to the stats now. The fourth quarter didn't matter. The final score was 107-88. to 88. The Warriors... Let's read the lines. Peyton Pritchard, 19 minutes, 4 points, 2 for 7. Didn't give him much tonight. Daniel Tice... Donut, 14 minutes, 0 for 1, not great. Derek White, 30 minutes, 12 points, 4 for 13 from the field, 2 for 4 from deep. Didn't think he was great. Grant Williams, 6 points, 2 for 2, not much there. 21 minutes played. And then the starters, Time Lord only played 14 minutes, 2 points. Marcus Smart, I talked about 2 points. 2 points for Marcus Smart. I mean, it's going to be better. And Al Horford, 2 points. So you're never going to win like that. Jalen Brown, 17 points. The only starters in double figures were the Jays. Jalen Brown was 17, 5 for 17 from the field. So after a great first quarter, did not play great. 3 for 9 from 3. And then Jason Tatum, 28 points, 8 for 19 from the field, 6 for 9 from deep, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, but 4 turnovers. Celtics turned the ball over 18 times. That'll do it for you. They shot 40, 40% from 3 though still, 15 for 37, but they shot 37.5% as a team uh, from the field. So that means they shot 15 for 43 from two. My goodness. For the Warriors, 45% from the field as a team shooting the ball. 
40.5% from deep, 15 for 37. And one thing I noticed about the Warriors, they really don't shoot as many threes as people really think they do. They shoot good ones. And that's one thing I've really loved about them throughout their whole run in the Steph Curry, Steve Kerr era. Even with KD, to me, they never overdid it. They, they shoot for the personnel that they have, and they, they don't overdo it. And I love that about them, um, just from a basketball fan standpoint. 40% from the field from deep. 14 for 20 from the line. So the free throw, despite the ref stuff, 17 free throw attempts with the Celtics, 24 the Warriors. The Warriors did a better job taking care of the ball. Uh, well, last game they took care of the ball decently well. It's just relative to some other series, mostly the Memphis series, if we're being real. They've done a much better job taking care of the ball since then. 12 turnovers for them overall. The bench guys. By the way, we saw Nemanja Bielitsa play tonight, and I actually thought he played okay. Um, he wasn't that bad. Six points in 11 minutes. He was a plus-minus, so in the minus category, even though the Warriors won by 19. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you have to watch back, watch the tape back. But for me, it didn't stick out too much negatively. Six points for him. Plus-minus, by the way, single game is not always indicative of how they pl- a player plays. Otto Porter, three points in 15 minutes. One for one. He was plus 24. I thought he was decent. I remember the three he made, too. It was off Steph Curry taking advantage of drop coverage, making the making a swing to Andrew Wiggins, and the extra swing was made in the corner to Otto Porter. Great basketball. And that all starts from Steph Curry drawing two defenders in that drop coverage. Remember, as I said, it's not typical drop coverage. They had to account for Draymond's role, which is why Andrew Wiggins was open, or whoever that was that was setting the screen. May have not been Draymond. Jordan Poole, 23 minutes, 17 points on 6-for-14 shooting, and 5-for-9 from deep, even though he didn't get to the line. That's one thing that was a huge talking point. Needed more from Jordan Poole, got more from Jordan Poole, and he's going to have to be very good as the series continues. Because as I said for the Warriors, they don't have a clear-cut second guy. It's varies from a night to night. It's like Wiggins can be an all-star caliber player, Draymond can be an all-star caliber player, and so can Clay. but none of them are all-stars game in, game out to me. Draymond did make the All-Star team this year, though, so you can say that, but I don't know, guys. Draymond, I don't know if he... He has All-Star impact, for sure. But some games... I don't think All-Stars should have that much negative to their game, and Draymond can. He really can. That being said, I'd still take him on like the Clippers tomorrow. But (laughs) Gary Payton Jr., 7 points, 25 minutes, 3-for-3 from the field. Very solid performance from him. It's going to be great to have him back in the fold. And then the starters, Kevon Looney, fantastic. Great on the rebounds again. Defending, finishing around the rim. 12.7 boards, 6 for 6 shooting. And then Draymond, as I said, 9 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, a steal and a block. 2 for 3 from the field, only one three-point attempt. Andrew Wiggins didn't shoot well, but he played fantastic to me. 11 points, 6 rebounds, 4 for 12 from the field, but 2 for 3 from deep, so he made his threes. One of them was in that third quarter flurry from Steph, I believe, getting attention again. And then Klay Thompson didn't shoot well. 11 points, 4 for 19, 1 for 8 from deep, so going to need to be better. And Steph, the player of the game for me, 29 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, killed him in that pick and roll. 9 for 21 from the field, 5 for 12 from deep. So just doing his thing and looking like the best player in the series so far. 1-1, we got a series. Game 3 is going to be huge. It's going to be a total different, totally different game. The Celtic role players are going to be fired up. You're going to see a much better game from Horford and Smart. They're definitely not going to be dropping on Steph Curry anymore, but maybe they'll test it because they're at home. 
I think this, the Warriors are going to have to make sure they limit open threes for Boston and honestly make Jason Tatum and Jalen beat you in isolation more, I'd say. Be comfortable switching Steph and Draymond on a certain guys. Like, just be comfortable with it. Anyway, that's it for me tonight, guys. Thanks for joining me. Let me know what you thought. Maybe my analysis wasn't as in-depth and as accurate as game one. I wasn't watching it at home tonight, so I was with the family, so I was splitting attention as best I could. So let me know if I made any mistakes. Maybe you had something that you disagreed with. Make sure to give me constructive criticism. And make sure to drop a dollar or a dime in the Super Chats if you want to, you know, donate to your boy. Leave a, leave a review if you'd like on Apple Podcasts. And make sure to leave a comment on the YouTube channel for the algorithm. I also have an announcement. I remember I told you guys Dime Dropper featuring is my, you know, my... When I have major guests on, somebody involved in the NCAA or NBA landscape in some capacity. And I've only done one episode so far. Dime Dropper featuring my boy Will Johnson that played at Oregon with Peyton Pritchard, uh, with Bull Bull. That was a great episode. He gave his perspective, his journey on basketball. And he, you know, was the reason I got into all that history shit, uh, shit and started doing the timeline and all that. So you should go definitely go check that one out. It's pinned on my channel. But we have an episode two coming up. I'm not going to reveal who it is. It's not an NBA player yet, so I'm not going to blue ball you guys. But it's somebody that's been in the, in, the, in, the, in the scope of representing a very major NBA figure recently. And it's going to be exciting. I'm excited to reveal it. It's going to come out this week. So Dime Dropper featuring episode two. Make sure to spam it, retweet it, and get excited for it. Peace out, y'all. Have a great night. Now to the live subscribers waiting oh so patiently in the chat.